Today's show is brought to you by the NBA Awards on TNT, live from New York on Monday night, June 26th. The NBA Awards show begins at 9 p.m. Eastern and will be hosted by Drake. The awards are officially changing this year. In the past, NBA Awards were announced sporadically once the season ended, but for the first time this year, the awards will be presented in person to players and recipients in a brand new NBA Awards show, live on TNT. The NBA on TNT studio crew of EJ, Kenny, Chuck, and Shaq will have a large presence on the show as well. Awards include Kia NBA MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player, Defensive player of the year and much more there's also going to be new awards and the fans are going to have a chance to vote on best style game winner of the year dunk of the year and assist of the year remember don't miss out on the nba awards on tnt live from new york june 26th at 9 p.m eastern Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does almost every Tuesday, Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Bomber from the Ringer.com. <laughs> you know what? You know what last night means, Kevin. Blow it up! Blow, 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 blow it up! We're just we're gonna blow. We're blowing up the Cavs today. Five games. Five games. That was a, it. Was a, it was a dominating series for the Warriors. They're gonna have to regroup in Cleveland. <laughs> hey, man. I mean, they're gonna have to make some changes. They're not gonna have to blow it up. No, they're not gonna have to do that. But there's gonna have to be some changes that they're gonna have to make. And that's what I wrote about today on the Ringer.com. Okay. Let me let me first say. But first order of business, if I am uh, the owner of the Cavaliers, Dan Gilbert, is I want to hire an assistant coach that is capable of waking up Tyron Lue during the course of the game. Like, even if it's just a tap or something, because I can only, I, I, I can only think that he fell into a coma or some level of deep sleep in that second quarter. I, I thought everything was going well for the Cavaliers. You know, you want to play from ahead or at least just stick around as long as you can. And that run that the Warriors went on in the second quarter where he did literally nothing to stop it was malpractice, in my opinion. I, I could not believe he was sitting, standing there, as it were, watching that unfold. You know, the one thing that really sticks out to me, Chris, is I'm I'm stunned that they didn't trim the rotation. Like, I'm surprised we're in game five and Darren Williams was still playing. Um, uh, look, look, you know, kind of in defense of Ty Lue, there's only so much he could do. I mean, like, he's got a bunch of old old heads, you know, in the rotation that he's kind of forced to use, right? But, but I, yeah, look, that second quarter, Darren Williams playing like three minutes, Corver playing like four, Richard Jefferson playing four. The thing is, like, what's the alternative? It's not like no, LeBron no, that, and... All these guys can play 12, uh, 48 straight minutes. So, but against it, it, it's the Warriors, tough. It's tough. against the Warriors, when that scoring tsunami hits, you have got to stop it. You've got to stop the tide. That that thing, the decibel level gets so crazy in Oracle. These these guys are front runners. Uh, the players are, and they will get on top of you, and they will just, and then it's just bombs away, and things are going the wrong way. This is the brilliance of, and this is where you can really tell the This is the brilliance of Popovich. When you watch him, and it's it will not be because he didn't try to stop the train, right? Sometimes after a bucket or two buckets or you know maybe three buckets, but it it's never going to be a massive run before he takes a timeout and settles his group down. And maybe they go out there and still get their ass kicked, but at least you did something 
to try to, right? You stuck your finger in the dam at least. And I just, I don't get it, man. I thought, because the game flipped on that, and I know they fought all the way back, but then they fought all the way back and ran out at the end, right? They just didn't, they, they clearly, you know, there was one team that was settled in and was ready to, they could have looked like they could have played 20 more minutes, and the Cavs looked done. Well, yeah, I mean, like the Warriors are, say they're light years ahead for, for, for a good reason, <laughs> and, and because they kind of are in some ways. I still don't think we've seen the Warriors at their best. I mean, like for Ty Lue, he's, he's a coach and is, uh, what is it, he's coached one and a half seasons now. I mean, he's still right. a, a really young head coach. It's, it's hard to ask too much of him when he's still learning on the job, too. I mean, it's just a couple of years ago he was playing, <laughs> I mean, and he's already back, uh, back coaching after a couple of years in Boston then with the Clippers. Um, but look, like I think the Warriors, the the series they played, Chris, look, they can be even better. I mean, everybody's talking about how, oh, the Cavaliers, you know, they really did close the gap in games three to five. And it's like, yeah, true. But I still don't think the Warriors have fired on all cylinders. I don't think they had a game like that in the finals. They've had moments, sure. They had stretches like that second quarter you're alluding to where they were just dominant. But I don't think that they've had that for an entire game in this year's finals. And and that's the scary part. This team could still get better. Well, that's because they were insistent on playing Zaza Pachulia some. Yeah, right. and look, they, they, didn't, they, didn't, they barely used the death lineup. They didn't, they didn't go to their uh, Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry pick and roll until the second half of game five. There, there's things that they could have done that they didn't do because I feel like they were saving those things. That's something teams across sports do. Sometimes they save things in the regular season for the playoffs or the championship game, whatever, whatever moment that they need to pull something out, that's when they do it. And the Warriors were saving some of that stuff. And look, they they didn't have to make significant game-to-game adjustments to the series. I just, I just feel like, in some ways, the, the Warriors weren't even going full throttle here. They're playing Patrick McCaw, a rookie, for 15 minutes last night. Like They didn't, they didn't have to trim their rotation all the way down like they did last year in uh, game six and seven. I know they lost, but the fact is, is that I feel like that they they still could have given more, <laughs> despite the fact that they won the series in fairly dominant fashion in five games. Well, and they averaged almost 122 points per game. That is the Ooh. fourth. That's the fourth highest scoring ever, and the highest in 50 years. 50 years. 1967. The uh, the 76ers were score scored this amount. But the highest since then, which so 50 years, they had the highest scoring finals uh, in the last 50 years, averaging almost 122. And then you look at the combined scores of the teams over the course of the series, 236 points per game, which is the second highest ever for the NBA finals, which is crazy because we think about, you know, I mean, Geez, man, all the different eras. And you remember earlier this year when Russell Westbrook was averaging the triple-double and people were saying, oh, yeah, but he's doing it on even less possessions than they used to play way back when. Or you think about some of those teams in the 80s, the Showtime Lakers that were averaging these insane scores every game. It's pretty wild to think that we fast-forward to 2017 and this is the second-highest scoring finals ever. And it ended in five games, no less. I mean, it was remarkable to watch. I, yeah, I think I think Warriors. Sure, I mean, I think um, there's an argument to be made that they're the greatest team of all time. Well, they scored almost. Uh, listen, one of the games they scored 132, another one they scored 137, and another one they scored 129. They almost had three of the five games. You know, if it weren't for last night falling one point short, 
They just scored 130 plus in every game and in three of the five games. 130? <laughs> like what? What is going on here? And so you you've got to sit back and think if you're these other teams like I don't think that you can look at them and go we've got to find a team that can score 131. You've got to find a team that can hold them down to maybe play them. Your best chance is maybe the 110s, right? I think we're done with the days of being able to hold them in the the 90s or the low 100s. You just got to try to keep it in the 110s or 1-teens to have your chance. Cuz that's how be the tough. that's how that's how the Cavs won. I mean, the Cavs won by holding them to 116, holding them to 116. I mean, the game's changed. Yep. It's a different game today. I mean, like all, all you mentioned the raw number totals, uh, like 129 compared to 116 or whatever, and like that we need to change our perception. Like instead of saying, oh, they kept it to 80 or whatever, it's like, well, no, they kept it to 100 because the game's changed. You know, offense has evolved, and the Warriors are at the, at the front of that. And you got to think about this. So LeBron, over the course of the series, averaged 33.6, 12 rebounds, and 10 assists. So he averaged a triple-double for the finals. And... This this was shocking to me. I read this this morning. How about this? Now think about how long he's been in the league. Over any five-game span in his entire career, that is the most points, rebounds, and assists he has had. In any mm. five games. Wow. I mean, this, we're, not, I we're, mean, we're, we're well over a decade wow. into this guy's career. <laughs> and over a five-game span, he has never had more total points, rebounds, and assists than he just did against the Golden State Warriors, he which made, is unfathomable. He made a good case for being the goat, right? He made I mean, a good that's case for being the goat, man. That's unfathomable. Well, and here's the, you know what? All right, let's let's get into last night. So he was amazing. Clearly, Kevin Love did not have a good game. Kyrie was still really good. J.R. Smith, they got everything you could have wanted out of J.R. Smith. Right. And most people thought, you know, the role players aren't going to show up on the road like they did maybe at home. But you got to give J.R. Smith dropped 25 for him, for goodness sakes. Um, And I thought Tristan Thompson actually showed up. Right. I mean, the last couple of games, he was way better. Um, Their bench is horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. Cleveland's. I mean, what they get seven points out of him last night? They got one three from Corver. And they got four points out of Jefferson. And then the Darren Williams minutes are just like, what is going on here? But their bench is really, really rough. Um, But let me say this on the LeBron stuff. I was all for the whole, you listen, you can't count this as a demerit. One of the things we always do in the, quote, rings culture is we use it as a demerit when guys don't win rings. But I've always said you got to take a look and say, okay, what were they up against and what did they do when it mattered most? This is why I would always take Charles Barkley over Carl Malone. When it mattered most, Charles Barkley was getting like 40 and 20 in Western Finals games, right? And he was killing it uh, when he had his opportunity. And he just fell short. Whereas Carl Malone, he came up small, like in a, in a lot of big spots over the course of his career. Well, LeBron came up huge, huge. And I was all like, dude, this is great. I'm, th- 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 we just witnessed greatness for sure. You can't hold this against him. 
And then he went to the post-game press conference and said he'd never been on a super team. And I was like, you know what? Screw you, man. <laughs> like, like, you're literally the reason all of this is happening. Literally the reason. If you never go to Miami, we don't even see that. What are you talking about? There was a fucking concert with a DJ and laser lights. And he's like, not five, not six, not seven. Like, What? Like that wasn't a super team. What was this concert about? Like you had friggin' you had like Skrillex there, like playing for eighteen thousand people, announcing your team. It wasn't even for a game. Oh, and, so, and that's what like I don't know. LeBron's got this way about him where he can just he can make me turn on him real quick. And we were saying that last night, you know, because the guy it was a great question. The guy said, "Does this change your opinion on super teams?" And LeBron's like, what? Oof. Like, basically, like, you can't blame me. I've never been on a super team. Like, what? Are, <laughs> what did we all just get amnesia? Dude, what just happened oh, here? Oh, man. So, I'm, I'm, uh, hey, so th- today's the wrong day to talk about LeBron to me, Kevin. <laughs> Chris, you're going to be dying over here. Dude. It's, uh, it, it is really funny, you know, like, seeing that comment. Like, it made me, like, you know that emoji with, like, you know, you know itching the side of your head, like, huh, the thinking face? That, that yes. was me last night when he said that. I'm like, wait a minute. This guy, he, he's, he's one of, he's, if he's not the reason, he's he's the biggest reason, at least, because you could say, oh, the Celtics formed their super team before LeBron did. But no, 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 no. LeBron was the guy who left in a free agency, had the big concert, as you said. Look, uh, I well, think that's tra- so they, common. Hold on now. They traded for Garnett. They traded yeah, for Yeah, exactly. They traded for Garnett, and they, and they traded for Ray Allen, too. So that, that was a different thing. I, I think in terms of the free agent path, for sure, LeBron kind of really kick-started this, uh, despite how angry Paul Pierce uh, would be to hear that. Look, I, I, I think with LeBron, right, he said, I think it was after Game 4 or before Game 5, sometime between those two games, uh, he was asked about his opinion on that again, and he said, I'll, t- I'll tell you a few years from now. And like that, that was a weird thing to say. Um, I, I just think LeBron... Perhaps maybe he has a, a changed perspective on it. I mean, I don't know. We we don't know what's going on in his mind, but maybe maybe after seeing the Warriors team, he does think that maybe it, it has gone a little bit too far. I don't know. I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. Far. People people change their minds. Like, you know what I mean? Things yeah. people change. No, it people, basically people, people people go from Democrat to Republican over their lifespan. LeBron might have had a big party, but maybe now <laughs> he's like, you know what? Super teams aren't cool. <laughs> well, maybe it's a little thought bubble in his head was like i've never been with anybody that good right yeah. like that's all right come on right like i mean kevin durant just latched on and so i don't want to sound like i mean i hate sounding because i'm young i don't i don't want to sound like the old curmudgeon here but you got that lebron thing they didn't and do then, it back in my day no and then on the other hand the friggin nike commercial and i just i held my tongue on this last night i didn't tweet about it, whatever what in the crap is that uh, listen it's brilliant the people at nike are brilliant what are they talking about? Like, who is sitting around, like, wondering if Kevin Durant can do it, right? Like, oh, they're like, will he ever, you know, skinny teenager that can't make it in the men's league? Like, what? I, I mean, you know, I, I hosted there, there, a, there were some people that questioned that, Chris. Oh, there, there were. Like, no, there were. That, there were people that questioned that. Guy back in 2007. There were people who said, oh, Kevin Durant's too thin. He can't He can't bench uh, bench one single rep at the yeah, NBA okay. call line. There that were was, people saying that. And sure, it might have been the significant minority. But the fact is that so many of these great players use the, what the minority haters think as motivation. Oh, God. Like, nobody there were ever people said he, who said that. Nobody ever said he 
wouldn't make it. Uh, to the extent that they said, hey, he can't even bench 225, was a reason to take Greg Oden instead of him, right? Because that was the, the debate was between number one and number two, not should Kevin Durant go number two. Nobody was sitting around going, that's, that's, that's a crazy pick. Nobody. Go find somebody that said that taking Dur- Kevin Durant number two is stupid. <laughs> I mean, he averaged a thousand points a game in Texas. I mean, like what? He was. I mean, I was at a draft party. No lie, I hosted a draft party. The Grizzlies had the best chance at getting the number one pick that year. There were two blowups in the, at the draft party. ESPN was there the whole night. Two blowups. One of them was Odin, and one of them was Durant. And the pick came up number four. That was the year that they ended up getting Mike Conley, which it's so weird to look back because actually Conley would have it, – it's better off that you got Conley than if you would have drafted Odin and gotten the number one pick that year. Yeah. But, I mean, people were so crushed. Everybody knew that was a two-person draft. But I just don't – I don't know. Like uh, the critique of him jumping on, you know, being a front runner or jumping on the best team to win his championship – like that didn't what what got silenced about that? Like we all knew a year ago this is what was going to happen. That they were going to beat the crap out of everybody, right? And so like I don't know, watching the commercial about like debate this, like he proved everybody wrong. Like you didn't prove anybody wrong. We all said you were going to kick everybody's ass and you did. Hey man, if the if the commercial had said Kevin Durant proves everybody right, he should be the number two pick, not the number one pick. It, it would not be. It would be a fun commercial. I mean, it, it's theater, man. It's all about entertainment. I resent everybody saying now, like, just get over it. You know, the Warriors are smart and super teams are great and blah blah blah. Right? Like, I you got to take this down to a base level, Kevin. And this is why this irritates the this, base level. It's why this irritates fans. If, you know, if me and you are out there, we're just on a playground, right? And there's a group of guys that, like, you fist fight every day. We fist fight them. And they just just beat the crap out of everybody, right? And finally, we've got them down. And you've got one of the guys pinned down, and you're beating them up. And I'm beating up the other guy after after a long time. (laughs) And then they get up, and Uh. they end up beating us anyway. But we were so close to finally beating them up. And then the next day, I go over to the crew that beats everybody up all the time, and then I come back and kick the shit out of you. You'd be like, wait, what? And that's exactly what happened here. That's exactly what happened. And so, and nobody, outside of Warriors fans, generally people are not going to be happy about that, right? You joined the bullies, right? They, everybody knew they were the best, and they were the best without you. And so now, nobody's going to feel nearly as happy for you as you should. But I, listen, I. It's so hard for me because I think Durant's a great guy. I do. I think he's legitimately a good dude. Um, once upon a time, this is because I don't like the. I like Curry too, honestly. You know, these are not unlikable guys, and these are guys that I am. My son is super into basketball now, and I like that he likes these guys. I think they are worthy of being looked up to. Um, they're perfect role models. They really are, and the and, really, and, really on both sides, LeBron and Kyrie Irving too. Those those guys are remarkable thinkers of the game, and and really work work their hardest. And they never embarrass you, like you know what I mean. For anybody out there, let me. Just, uh, I will say this: for anybody out there whose kids like have jerseys of these guys, you can be proud that you're not going to be embarrassed by your kid wearing that guy's jersey, right? Um, which that's saying something. But I will tell you, years ago, you remember when the lockout was. 
uh, Rudy Gay held this big charity basketball event because the players didn't have anything to do. And I mean, everybody came to it. Everybody. Um, and Durant and LeBron both came. And we're talking, it's in a small civic center that holds about, I don't know, 5,000 people, right? And I went to it. And I'll tell you that when you're around, like, and so it was just kind of open and it wasn't like, it wasn't sanctioned by the NBA. There's no PR people. There's no nothing. You just bought tickets and you could get in. And I was there covering it. And so people could just like walk down to the court after the game or before the game or whatever. And LeBron was there and Durant was there, but it was the weirdest setting ever. It's almost like you're at a, it's just like a regular gym. And so LeBron, there's like this halo around him. You know how he always wears the headphones and like, don't talk to me, kind of. He gets off that vibe, like, leave me alone vibe because he's, you know. Whereas I will tell you, Durant, he walked around that place and it was like, damn, Ali and Zaire. I mean, there was a mob of kids around him everywhere, and he signed a million autographs and took a million pictures, and nobody would even approach LeBron. Like, it was almost like they were scared to. Whereas Durant, and that's always, I've always had that image in my head, always, because it was just one of those, you know, it's during the lockout, nobody would ever know or see it, but I remember thinking, God, man, what an awesome guy. And so it pains me that he is the one, you know, that this is all happening with, but it, you know, I, I do, I love sports because I love competition and I love the unknown and there's very little of that remaining, Kevin. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I don't know why it pains you though, man. Did you see his face last night? I mean, he was, he was feeling ecstasy last night. Him and Norma Durant, like they, they were, they were on top of the world last night. I, I don't think, I don't think there was any pain in his heart or his mind or, or his family's last night. I think, I think they were on top of the world. This no, is, this I'm is saying I don't like the situation. Yeah, I I like competition, and it does not I mean look, it's the, not, it does not appear like we are we all knew this was going to happen and then it happened. Yeah, look, I, I, I it's very possible that the next three years the Warriors win like all three titles. Like that's conceivable, right? Would you agree there, Chris? Uh, the Warriors for, win like four in a row. I would be surprised if they did not win multiple more titles if those. Okay. Yes, if those guys are together for an amount of time, that if like if you told me that Durant, Curry, Thompson, and Draymond will be on the same team for the next three years, I would be shocked if they didn't win at least two. But but on the other hand, in some ways, is there also fun in rooting for them to get taken down? Whether it's by like LeBron building a, a, a rebuilding a super team in Cleveland, or going to the Lakers or something like that, or the Celtics, you know, adding more pieces, or the Rockets making a that's big move. That's what you're not. That's like, what you're missing. Or the, or the here, Spurs Kevin. adding Chris Paul. What's up? But that's what you're missing, Kevin. That's what I'm saying. This is the hard part, and, and I hope there's people out there that feel this way. I don't hate them like I should hate them because I like the people involved. And you have to be hated. People hate the Yankees and people hated the Dallas Cowboys and people hate, right? Like you hate the dominant one. You want to see them fall on your face. People hate the Patriots. That's for damn sure. Yeah. They want to see them fall on their face. Right. The the Warriors need a ball deflation scandal. That's what they need. (laughs) Well, it's just, it's, it's hard because. They're, the the two stars are super likable. The coach is super likable. Even when the even when the owners and the general managers and all those people talk, they don't come off unlikable at all, right? Like yeah. they're all they're and, a likable bunch. 
Yeah, I know. We need them to be real, like, you know. <laughs> Draymond's trying. Draymond Green is trying yeah, his damn hardest. No, Zaza. He's trying. Zaza's yeah, the only too. one. Yeah, Zaza's the only one. Zaza and Draymond. But other yeah. than that, they're not. You know, typically when there's a dominant team like that, you know, you always find the whole root against, right? Any anybody, everybody roots against them. Um, I will. T- I think they are a hard team to root against. That's what I would say, and they are clearly the best team. I think that's fair. I mean, I wrote something, you know, I forget what day it was, Monday, whatever, a couple of days ago, just about how I feel like talking to my friends in real life or or people at the ringer or, you know, just reading message boards. I feel like a lot of people have softened on the Warriors already in the sense that like at the beginning beginning of the year, you know, starting last year on July 4th and through kind of the beginning of the season, there was hate. Like, why would they do that? Why would they? Why would Durant go join the super team? But then over the course of the season, particularly during the playoffs, it's been kind of, well, hey. We got we to adapt. We got to get used to this and, you know, enjoy it in the way we can because, look, we love a lot of these players. And I get the sense that people have softened on the Warriors. And, look, it could turn around the other way, Chris. People could soon hate them even more. I mean, after if we get another year of this, I feel like maybe there could be some growing resentment against the Warriors and you'll get the hate you desire. But I, I also don't think it's a bad thing to to like the greatness of their team. I don't think it's a bad thing. All right. Let me just say this. Do you know who's really to blame for all of this? Who's that? You. You Me. and your like-minded people. Me. That the only thing that matters in the history of the world is winning a title. There's nothing else that matters because no. you create it, it, hey, you create this world no. where Kevin Durant feels like I have to go do this. Because no. my 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 legacy, my career is incomplete without that ring because Kevin O'Connor says so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, Chris. Uh, obviously, like, we're not going to have, like, uh, part, part two of that to be. We already had that on, like, a, a March podcast that people should, should go back and listen to. However, I will add this, Chris. I think, look. When I when I make that point, I talk about that through the perspective through a team lens. Like that's a team goal, and so I think Kevin Durant last night had a very interesting response. I forget the question Dorisberg asked him, but his response was essentially like team related, like how happy he was to be part of a team that did that. I think from a legacy standpoint, I've said this to you before. I don't think a title defines an individual player. It defines a team. It, it's not it's not an individual player's accolade. It's a team thing. So, look, I, I think for Kevin Durant, whether or not he won a title in his career, he was he had a remarkable individual career. He can't control what the Thunder do, the rosters they build. He made his own decision to get that trophy, right? I th- but at the same time, does that really enhance his profile? Like, does this title make him more of a Hall of Fame or make him more of a great player? I don't think so. I mean, for all the reasons we're talking about. I will say this, and I don't know. I know there's going to be some some people that disagree, but this is me being totally honest From after watching this series. I do not believe they would have won without him. I don't. I do not believe that the Warriors would have won that title without Kevin Durant. If they would have, let's say Possibly, Harrison Barnes, yeah. let's say Harrison Barnes takes the contract, right, and doesn't say, you know, screw this, I'm going to go get, my full amount somewhere else because they offered him a deal. So let's say Barnes well, no, takes. Let's let's say let's say Durant stays in OKC. That's right? what I'm saying. Like yes, no, yes. No other say, choice. Yes. Yeah. I do not believe that the Warriors would have won the title. I don't. I don't. 
I'll tell you one thing. It would have been a hell of a lot closer. That's I think, the, sure. I I mean, think the Cavs would have beaten them if they didn't have Durant. How many games do you think? I mean, it might have gone long, but I think okay, seven, seven. I, th- I think that's fair. Right. But I think, uh, Dur- I think Durant I, was like Durant bailed them out. Like when they had stagnant possessions, and they weren't able to get a shot. That's where Durant was so important because they could just go to that ISO. and He could create something out of thin air at the end of possessions. Never mind like all his defensive efforts. He remarkable defensively, especially in games one and two with some of those block shots he had, his rotations, deflections. He he's to me, to me like people are saying, oh, did Durant, you know, kind of overcome LeBron as the best player? Well, no, he didn't do that. But what he did do is is make it pretty damn obvious. I said he's the second best player in the league, not Kawhi Leonard. Do you believe that? I, I mean, for all this stuff about he joined on with a team that you know was 70, 73 and nine in last year and probably would have won without him. I, and maybe it's just because he was so awesome, and maybe everybody else would have raised their game if he doesn't exist, right, in this series. But just watching that series, there were many times where I thought, God, they'd be dead in the water without him. And maybe that's yeah. just the way they play now, but he was amazing, Kevin. The guy averaged 35 points a game in these five games. I he mean, was you, remarkable, dude. Right? And he, he was remarkable. And I think that the Cavs scored so much that they needed Durant scoring 35 a game. The Cavs were awesome offensively. They really were. You got to think. I mean, over the course of this series, they had – listen, LeBron averaged – 33.6 points, and Kyrie averaged 29 points per game. I mean, hell, you just add those up, you got 62 points in the tank before you add anybody else to the mix. I mean, they were great, and it's just not enough. It's just not. I mean, that's that's the problem with Cleveland's roster constructs. Like, the, their best offensive lineups aren't good enough defensively. They had so many missed rotations, weren't always getting back on, in transition. Some of that's due to LeBron. Some of that's due to Kyrie, of course. Um, but their their complementary players need to be better two way players. And the thing is, is like I say they're that, old. but that's, that's not old. that's not that's not easy to find. Like that's they're hard. To, that's hard to put together. Yeah, they're, they're old and they're old, and that that's that's you know kind of what I wrote about today, Chris. Is that like this team? I feel like the Warriors, you look at their roster and all the youth they have mixed with veteran experience. Patrick McCall played 15 minutes last night. Like In the next year's finals, he might be a, a rotation player playing 25. All these young guys that they're investing roster spots into and player de- development resources into is important, whereas Cleveland hasn't done that. They haven't done that at all. They only have... They've only really made two forward-thinking moves in their the past couple of years. One, drafting Jetty Osman, who's a draft and stash prospect, and two, drafting Kay Felder, a point guard. That's about all they've done. And and I feel like they might have been better off in the beginning if they had built, you know, through the lens of sustainability and had younger guys. And maybe they wouldn't have won the title last year. I don't know. But the fact is that I feel like they would have been built for more long-term su- su- success instead of having to deal off first-round picks for Mozgov, first-round pick for for Kyle Korver or Channing Fry. I feel like those investments perhaps wouldn't have needed to be made. We talked about Kevin Durant. He did win the MVP. He scored 39 points last night. And before we go on, i got to give you our Captain Morgan moment of the week. Kevin Durant last night. You can see the gif. I put it up on my Twitter feed uh, if you missed it. It's at Chris Vernon Show. It shows him in the goggles, in the locker room. He smashed First, there is another video of him smashing two beers together, Kevin. It appears as if he thinks that, like, you know when you see people smash the cans together? Um, 
he appears to think that that opens them, right? That if you haven't opened the can, that you hit them together and then they like explode because he hits two full cans together without opening them, right? And then he finally (laughs) opens them, smashes them, takes a sip of the beer, and then spits it out all over the locker room floor. Obviously not a big fan, and I will tell you that uh, if that would have been Captain Morgan's, he would not have spit that out. That's the Captain (laughs) Morgan's for sure moment of the week. No matter how you live like a captain, Captain Morgan's reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. All right, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the playoffs as a whole and perceptions. Who changed their perception for the good? Who changed their perception for the bad? And some of the biggest what-ifs that we learned throughout these NBA playoffs. All right, we'll get right back to it. But first, a word from our sponsor, Sachs. I've been telling you about Saks Underwear. The weather is getting warmer. Summer is almost here. I actually went to a PGA Tour event over the weekend, and I walked the whole course, and I could not have done it. I swear I could not have done it without the Saks Underwear. Whether you're traveling, working out, or just trying to get through the heat, Saks has what you need to stay comfortable with total support. It's like no other brand I've tried. In fact, I just heard an editor from Men's Health call Saks life-changing after wearing the product. And I'll tell you, they are. I love my Saks underwear. Kinetics, I've got those. The train shorts and the boxers. You can wear those when you work out. That's actually what I wore when I was walking around that golf course all day. No friction. No chafing. It's the best. Or the Vibes. Those are the modern fit boxers with the long leg, and you can wear those all day and make you feel great. Saks underwear, they're designed for guys to move more freely around in total comfort. Every pair has moisture-wickening benefits and their patented ballpark pouch that separates your package from your legs. I want you to try Saks underwear with my special limited-time deal. Go to my URL, saksunderwear.com slash NBA, You'll get 20% off your first purchase. I promise you will love these. Pick up a few pairs. Go to SaxUnderwear.com slash NBA. That's Saks with two X's. For 20% off your first purchase, go to SaxUnderwear.com slash NBA. All right, Kevin. So the NBA season is over. The Warriors are the champion, as many suspected. Um, when you take a step back, these playoffs were bad. We, we agree on that, right? This is a bad, bad playoff. This is bad. a very, very, very bad, bad playoff yep. season for sure, right? Mm-hmm. When I was thinking about who changed their my perception the most for the good, um, the first guys that came in my mind were honestly the Wizards backcourt with Wall and Beal, and obviously Beal. When I talked about, did you come up huge in a huge spot like? You know, it, it, maybe you lost, but it wasn't. It wasn't because you didn't. You didn't give it everything. And Beal more so, probably, especially at the very end of that series against the Celtics, than Wall, because Wall he just went full go, and then he had nothing left in the fourth quarter. But overall, I thought he was great in the series. But Brad Beal, I think my perception changed. The other one that came to my mind was honestly Rondo, because I thought Rondo, Rondo! W- I thought he was done. And you go back and look at those first two games, he was one of the best players on that court. He, everybody's talking about playoff, Rondo is back. And who knows, it's because he's playing his old team and he you know, knew what was going on against Brad Stevens, whatever. But 
Rondo looked like he's still a guy that, at least for that moment in time, that you would absolutely want as your point guard in a big playoff series. Which I hadn't I don't thought know of about that man. I hadn't thought of him. Like, listen, after Dallas, I thought he was a corpse. I just thought he was done. You don't want him. He was awesome, Kevin, at the beginning of that he, series. He only had two games, though, man. Just I two know. games. There's a whole season of him looking like garbage still. Like I know, I, mean, I know. There's, like, but he's there's a big like three, three, three. No, no, it's not even three years. It's more like four years. It's his last. His last year in Boston was pretty ugh, too. So I mean, we've got like three, four straight years of Rondo just having a sad, you know, unfortunate steep decline since the torn ACL. Okay, other ones that stood out to me: the kid at Atlanta. Atlanta, Taurine Prince. He was a, nice. A rookie really nice. getting real playoff minutes and scoring and playing like he did. I thought, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think they nailed that pick. I think Atlanta nailed that pick with Taurine Prince. So he stood out to me. And then I was trying to think if there's anybody else that got in my perception. Cha- I mean, listen, in the end, I'll never be able to get out of my head how horrible Harden was in that elimination game. I just won't. That's going to take a long time to get over because he was disgusting when it mattered most. So those were those would be some ones that were either changed my oh, that all right for the good. I would say like you know the the Wizards guys. I was impressed the Rondo thing. Tari How about Prince. the Raptors? Should they blow it up? <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. You know who my perception changed for on the bad side? Yeah, what's for that? sure, DeRozan. For sure. Okay. I mean, he had zero in a game up. against the Bucks. Blow it up, DeRozan. I was actually, I, I was actually on a talk show in Toronto last week, uh-huh. and I told him that I would pay, I would pay Lowry, and I would get rid of DeRozan. I think you can win big with Lowry. I do not think you can win big with Demar Derozan. What, what do they feel about that? Just out of curiosity, because there seems like a lot of split opinions on, on DeRozan or Lowry. The guys I was talking to seemed down with it. Okay, I mean, dude, he came up super small. DeRozan did. And, I mean, you saw the Cavs, when they threw that double at him, he ain't much of a passer. So, right, if you just decide you're going to trap him, like, he ain't doing he – he's not splitting your trap and he's not passing out of it to get some kind of amazing shot. Whereas, you know, right, like, it's death to trap LeBron. You just can't. Because DeMar he just DeRozan looks over in the you. playoffs, one for 15 from three. Got to I mean, be cool. able to shoot threes in today's NBA. Got to be able to shoot threes or you can't so survive. De- DeRozan, Aldridge – Obviously, a big step down of perception for me. I mean, when they needed him most, when Kawhi went out, come on, let's get serious. And then the other one would be uh, would be Harden there at the end of that series. That was just we still never got a good reason as to what happened with him. But I mean, to be that great and to come up that small in a big spot, that was that's one I won't soon forget about. How about you? Is there anything that super stands out, not including the Warriors or the Cavs, from these playoffs? Um, I haven't thought a lot about it, Chris, but I'll, I'll tell you what. I think I think Houston series against San Antonio was really illuminating in the, in the sense that I, I picked them to win in, I think, five <laughs> against uh, the Spurs, and they, they lost in six. I think, I think their style of play is kind of uh, a picture of the future. Like right? more teams are going to be playing that way um, in terms of like layups, free throws, and threes. However, the way the Spurs defended them, um, kind of I guess baiting them into mid-range jumpers, knowing that they wouldn't take them, may- maybe that there there is some merit to certain moments, certain times that you have to take those shots. And I'd be curious, like w- with Sport View data, you can look at like expected points per shot or expected points per possession based on a particular moment in time on the court. I would love to know 
what their expected points were in moments where, like, let's say Trevor Ariza was driving the baseline and the Spurs were willing to let him take that mid-range jumper, but instead he passed out um, to, a, to a shooter that they were already not helping off of. I, I realize it's kind of confusing without a visual, but I would love to know what the points per possession was if he had taken, like, a runner compared to extending that possession further out and uh, deeper into the shot clock. I don't know. Like I, I maybe the numbers still say that the, the Rockets would be better not taking that shot, but like we've seen Ca- Cavaliers are willing to take that shot. Warriors are willing to take that shot, depending on the moment in time and the shot clock. And I wonder if maybe the Rockets are kind of at kind of the brink of that Maury ball number with the percentage of shots that they take or layups and three pointers. Maybe that maybe we're at the peak of that. I, I don't know. Like I'm just, I'm just to, throwing I would idea, say but that's I, what sticks out to me. I don't know if you're going to see a lot more teams play like that, Kevin, honestly, because it the, the outcomes are just way too random. You know, they that are can super help, That can help you, though, too, though. It can. Like high, high variance, like, that That could be what wins wins you a couple games in a playoff series. Like, it I can, think maybe that you need it can that high you win variance a couple sometimes. games, but I, w- I wonder if there's a limit to it. That's what I'm saying, right? That in the end, you got to beat a team four times. And so do you mm. – theirs was so dependent on them knocking down threes. And they got to do it four times in seven games. And maybe they can. But it is random, right? Like one night they're going to be 21 for 44, and the next night they're going to be 12 for 44. And the night they're 12, they lose, and the night they're 21, they win. <laughs> End of story. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, though. The Rockets are going to get better. Like they're going to get better as a team because they, they have positioned themselves. They have movable contracts. They also have young assets on the back end of their roster. They can create max cap space easily. They will have max cap space in, I believe, 2018 or 2019, one of those two years. I think I think 19. But they, they have the ability to add and get better. And they're definitely a team to watch out for in terms of adjustments they make um, to their core in the next couple of years. All right. It's interesting you say that because I do want wonder what all these teams are going to do going forward when you look and you say you're, you're in the room planning and you're saying okay everybody always has to shoot for what it would take to beat the title team right and I am it's clear that Houston's going to play their way which is outgunned they will look and they will go we can score 131 now most everybody else can't do that they can't say we could We'll, we're willing to go and run with them. And I think it's a fool's errand for Houston or anybody else. I don't think that's the way you beat the Warriors. My advice to anybody would be play different. I still do this. I, I will always think Tyron Lue made a big mistake running with them, and he should have slowed it down, pounded it into the ground, used the clock, try to get fouls. He's got two of the best isolation scorers in the world, so having the ball in their hands with five seconds left to go is not the worst thing. I would try to find defense and I would try to find the way to play opposite of them so that you could dictate the game as best you could because I don't think that you can try to load up and try to match them because you're just not going to they got three guys that could score 50 points against you and I think it's a I think it's a mistake to do it obviously that's the route Houston's going to go the rest of these teams I would look at it and say we need a a team that can play the opposite of them and try to make it difficult, uh, try to dictate a game, drag it into the mud, whatever you want to say. So, so you, so, okay, so, like, what type of roster construct do you like for that? Like, the Pelicans with their, with their twin towers, with um, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, is that type of, the type of roster that you would like to see teams building? I think that there is going to be, in order to be able to deal with them, you have to be able to make them try to match up with you rather than 
flip that around. And the way to do that would be, yes, to be so talented at positions where you have to destroy them rebounding. That's the thing. You have to destroy them rebounding. Where it's when they miss shots, you get the rebound, and when you miss shots, you get the rebound. That's been the way these last couple of years teams have made it hard on them. Frankly, it's the reason the team that I, I, I'm with the most, the Grizzlies, have been a big problem for the Warriors, over, more so than any other team over the course of the past couple of years. Now, they're not good enough, um, but they have been a problem for the Warriors. They won two games against them this year. They were up 2-1 in a series two years ago. Uh, before you know, Mike Conley had a broken face and Tony Allen blew out his hamstring. But they they've been a problem. You have to be you have to be tough. You have to be physical, and you've got to be able to smash them on the boards. That would be my opinion. So whatever my team is, that's what I would try to construct to deal with the Warriors. It's hard, man. It, it, it's it's really really hard to figure out because I think I think there's a lot of merit to the idea of you can't match them, but it, you still do need to be able to match what they can do. By that I mean they have so much length on defense, they have so much shooting that you do need to be able to to match those talents. I think. I think the difference is, is like you do need one of those bigger guys. So, the, but the, the problem is, is there's not a lot of teams that have that guy. You can look at Minnesota; they have Carl Towns. Maybe he's part of the construct that you need to beat that team. Maybe it's the Pelicans with Anthony Davis, right? Like you do need that, but those guys are really hard to find. On the other hand, is like, what if you can't get those guys? Well, I tell you, you can't that's get the, those dominant big guys. That, like, that's then, the great one. Then what do you do? That's the great one because I, I mean, if you're a Pelicans fan, you just got to pray Benson sells that team. Which which it's been rumored for a long time, and that you just blow that out and you get some really good management in there. Because if you recall a couple of years ago in the first round they played the Pelicans, Davis was a monster, an absolute monster against the Warriors. And he's got nothing with him. Like if you could, and of course they got cousins now, but if you could find some really good management that could put something around Davis, I do think Davis would be. He could be a massive issue for Golden State. Yes. And Towns, same way you said. I do think you have to have an unbelievable big that could, you know, you're talking some of these nights get you 32 and 18 or something like that, right? I do think that's the key. You have to have awesome big guys against them and somebody that they can't deal with. I, I don't know, because uh, those big men also need to be able to defend the perimeter too. Like they need to be able to defend when the Warriors go small with Draymond at the five and Durant at the four, and and those guys are so hard to find. I, well, I they just, have to be so good, though, Kevin. That what I'm saying is they have to be so good that that's the advantage. That it is actually an advantage. That they are so good that yes, it might be a little hard on the defensive side, but it outweigh the benefit is outweighed by the fact that they are getting every damn rebound. Because they don't have a lot of, right? Like, that's not their thing. They're not, that. you've got to be physical and you've got to be able to snatch rebounds against them. That's how Oklahoma City had them dead to rights last year in the great forgotten series that, you know, literally forced all of this to take place, the situation <laughs> yeah. we're in. But they got yep. every friggin' rebound. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And if you remember, even remember when Toronto uh, pushed Cleveland to six games? It's because Bismack Biombo had 500 rebounds. In two games. I mean, that's the thing. The thing is, though, is like, you know, l- looking back at that OKC Golden State series, like, w- why did they blow that lead, though, at the same time? I mean, 
Golden State, they kind of ran Cantor off the floor. Um, it's because Clay Thompson speed. hit like fucking eleven threes in Game Five. <laughs> what do you like? I mean, he was unconscious. I, I don't know, man. Like, they're, they're, I just I think it needs to be a mix. Like, you do need to replicate, not replicate what they do, because you can't find a Steph Curry, you can't find a Kevin Durant, but you need to mirror what they do. But I think there needs to be a tweak to that. And I do think that maybe the one dominant big man or the one high level big man is the, really the key difference because you do need, you do need to have an interior presence that's where i think that they can be beaten um but at the same time man it's it's very very hard to, to look around the league and say okay what rosters can actually put this type of team together like there's not All many right. like we mentioned the pelicans right. there's the bucks uh, there's not a lot of them let's be honest he ain't beating them anyway. I'm just trying to talk myself into the best way. <laughs> not you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to talk yourself into the Grizzlies hoisting yeah. that trophy next no, year. No, <laughs> I'm saying they're not. Like, they're not anybody. Anybody's yeah. not. I mean, they're trying yeah. to sit there and plan like, okay, well, here's the best. That's my opinion of the best way to deal with them, to try to make that a slower-paced game. Don't try to fight fire with fire. You know what I mean? If you're playing against the 27 Yankees, don't go out there and try to load up with bats and try to match them offensively, right? You got to try to find the best pitcher in the world. That's what you got to try to do. Something that can quell this. And that would be my answer to it. And you also have to have you have to have at least one amazing perimeter defender that can slow down either Durant or Steph. To just make them inefficient. You have to have that. Um and obviously Cleveland didn't have it. They didn't have it. They couldn't slow either of them down, for that matter. Um, last thing, the biggest what-ifs from all this, the two big, obviously Golden State did not play teams full strength really until the end. So to me, the two biggest what-ifs that we end with this playoff series season are, the first one is the whole the Boston thing with Rondo. Instead of that series becoming maybe a great series or Boston losing, Boston ended up going to the Eastern Conference Finals and changing a lot of perception about Brad Stevens, that franchise, everything going forward. On the hot seat. Same thing goes with the the Bulls, right? Where everything kind of that, – that could have changed everything for them. They were just a, a veteran team that didn't give a crap about the regular season and then they turned it up in the playoffs. And who knows what would have happened if Rondo doesn't get hurt. The other one, and this is the one, like that one is a distant second. Number one by a wide margin is Zaza and, you know, causing Kawhi to get hurt. And if Kawhi doesn't get hurt, what do we, what happens? What's, what, what is different about, um, what is different about that series and what is different as a whole about the, about this whole NBA playoffs? Because I believe that Spurs, I think the Spurs series would have been better than the Cleveland one. I, 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 I know we disagree on this. I don't believe in any way that they would have blown a 20-point lead and would have lost game one. And so at that point, Warriors have to beat them, you know, four out of the next six games, three of which are going to be played in San Antonio. And I think that could have been a classic series. But we'll never know. It's a great what-if. Maybe. Maybe we'll get it next year, Chris. We might. We We could. Maybe the Spurs will come back even better, more loaded than than they are right now, or you they think, were this past you think, season. Do you think Paul will go there? No, I don't. I think he. I think he's staying with the Clippers. You do? Yeah, I do. I, I think that'd he's be pretty there. crazy for him to have fought for the Supermax 
and then him not take advantage of it, right? It was it was about more than him, though. I mean, it wasn't like he oh, was negotiating it. for his. No, stop. no, no, really, though. Like, you it, think it, he? It, yeah, you think it, he's banging on a table if it doesn't help him? Come on. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know. Chris Paul is a guy, but I. I would. I would hope that they went into those negotiations doing things that for the good of the long term health of the league more than just his own self benefit. I, I don't think he did it just for himself. I'm sure it was probably a little bit of a factor, but I, I think there's a lot more. Don't to Tell it me about that. the long term health of the league because of the cap yeah. smoothing. Shit, Michelle Roberts won that, and that's why Durant is a warrior. And so, fine, yeah, congratulations, players. There was no cap smoothing, and now look what you've done. <laughs> Do you think he should go to the Spurs, Chris? If you're Chris Paul, would you go to San Antonio? Would you pass up that extra money, the extra year, to to put yourself in position to win a championship, build a super team? What's my goal? I don't know. Like I'm asking you, you're Chris Paul. What are you doing? Is Blake staying? Uh yeah, Blake staying. Blake, okay, Blake then I'd stay. Split. Okay, really? Then I'd, How come? Yeah. Then I'd stay. You want to lose in the because, first or second round again? <laughs> well, I, listen, they haven't been healthy for playoff yeah, series. Haven't. But for, can you rely on Blake to be healthy though? I mean, that, is that's a fair course, question? Of course not. But I mean, hell, I'd still, I'd rather have Blake Griffin in a wheelchair than Aldridge. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, how? I what, know, what else do I have in San Antonio besides Kawhi that I'm in love with? I mean, all Aldridge, Aldridge is still good. The answer is we we knock him for like not oh, being great, but oh, he's, he's still stink. he's still Whatever. he doesn't stink. I got no he, use he, for him. I'm, me and me and Shay, me and, if Shea Serrano doesn't frame him for a crime before next season starts, I'll be surprised. <laughs> I don't, I don't want any part of Aldridge. I, the answer is Popovich. That's what they've got, right? Yeah, I mean, they have the best coach in the league, best front office, one of the best ownerships. They have the third best player in basketball in Kawhi Leonard. Yep. They, 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 they're the Spurs, man, I, and they're going to keep being think, good for a long think, time. you think they're better set up? Then if yeah. I've got – because you know yeah, Reddick's you know going to be gone. Who knows about Austin Rivers, whatever. Yeah. But if I build – if I get two more guys to go with me, Blake, and DeAndre, you know, if I get – Two other guys that are great fits and a better bet. I mean, yeah, again, how? I'm, 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 Whoa, with what? With what cap space? Well, that, that that that's the thing. Is like San Antonio is is built for sustainability, and that's like the key thing. Like that's what teams need to build through. That's what the Cavaliers need to start thinking about. Spurs and, and, and Warriors and, and built wonder, for sustainability. You wonder if it would change if Jerry West takes that gig. You know, your perception uh, would yeah, change. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I I would be worried about my future if Doc Rivers is going to remain the GM. He just is not. He's not done right by me, personnel wise, in my estimation. If I'm Paul, uh, I, I said I said this on Bill Simmons' podcast. My my theory is that Chris Paul will use the Spurs as kind of a negotiation tactic to try to push for a no trade clause with the Clippers. That that's my theory. Oh, that's because smart. if I if I'm Chris Paul, I would be I would be fearful that Doc Rivers will blow it up. <laughs> you know, in a year or two, and then, and then like you're in some you're in some city on some team that yep. you have no interest playing for. You don't want to move your whole family out there. If I'm Chris Paul, I'm negotiating hard to try to well, get that no trade. And they can win without Blake. You do wonder if they could just do a, some kind of a sign and trade with Blake, and then you know get get good return. And I've still got if I'm Chris Paul thinking me and DeAndre to run that pick and roll, and I've got the big guy in the middle, and now I got to retool on my wings, but. At least, you listen. You're not going to be bad. You're, you're going to be in the playoff mix when you got Paul and DeAndre healthy. End of story. You could put me, I'm, you, and Simmons on the wings, and we'll probably be in the playoffs. It's just a matter of how good we can be. 
You know, I mean, if I if I'm Chris Paul, I mean, like like I wrote last week of the Ringer, and uh, like Bill talked and I talked about on the podcast. Uh, if I'm Chris Paul, if I'm the Clippers, I'm thinking, how can I re- how can I recruit LeBron here next summer? If I'm the Lakers, obviously that's the aim too. Well, Le- Le- if I'm if I'm LeBron, if I'm LeBron, I'm thinking, what am I going to do next? How am I going to build the next team that can take down the Warriors? Moment Le- Le- LeBron, wherever LeBron goes, the, he he's probably going to be the team that does take them them down if any team does. Moment of honesty, I hate the Clippers. I don't care what happens to them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate I you being real, Chris. Yeah, I hope they're. I hope they're. I hope the whole franchise goes to hell. <laughs> I, hey, man, I appreciate the realness, <laughs> Kevin. It's been an unbelievable season. I'm sure we'll be catching up throughout the summer. I know we're going to be doing the NBA show uh, throughout the summer, doing uh, special off season ones at least once a week. So I will catch up with you soon. Thanks, brother. Uh, Chris, it's been amazing doing this with you. It's been a lot of fun. Looking forward to the offseason. It's going to be a fun one. Thanks to everybody that's listened to us throughout the NBA season. Give us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. Helps us out a lot. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks.